Welcome. Oh, God. Welcome, welcome, and welcome, everybody. Welcome to another night. Yes, another night of pure excitement. Yes, it's the Rob Zakari Show. And we are here for a few hours to bring you high-quality entertainment. <laughs> All right, I did this uh, last week, so I got to do it again because my people were putting this uh, in my face. They said, you got to talk about it. Come on, you got to talk about it. It's so awesome. You got to talk about it. You got to talk about it. Come on, you got to talk about it. Just talk, talk. The Chargers, the Chargers. <sighs> I said, okay, okay. Now, we're not a sports show, but every once in a while, we talk about pop culture or sports. So the big news, it broke last night, late last night. And that is the San Diego Chargers are moving to Los Angeles, California. And I know those rumors have been out there. For months and months and months. But it's not a rumor anymore. It's real. It's real. Yes. The Chargers will be playing this coming year in Los Angeles at at the stadium that's in Carson City. I think it's the Stub Hub stadium. I think that's what they call the StubHub stadium. So, the Chargers are coming to Los Angeles. It's pretty big news. I mean, the Chargers are better than the Rams (laughs) this past season. So, now, if you live here in Los Angeles, okay, now, if you live here in Los Angeles, you literally, literally can go to a professional football game every single week. We are now like New York. Well, New York City or the surrounding area. New York is big. If you live in Albany, you're not going to drive. Well, maybe you would. I don't know. For us in Los Angeles, it literally is about a 15-minute drive. Grab an Uber, and you're there. So now we can go to a game every week. And like I said, the Chargers weren't like over the top better than the Rams. But they were better. So we get to choose. Rams, Chargers, Phillip Rivers, or Jared the Bust Goff. Because I do think he's going to be a bust. I think he's already a bust. Now, the other news, and I kind of don't understand this, 
Um, as a personnel move, but the Rams, since we're talking about football and the Chargers and them moving to Los Angeles, the Rams got a new head coach. Now, here's what I don't understand. You have potentially a market that's pretty big, like huge, as Trump would say, bigly, okay, bigly. You're going to have a new stadium, which some say is going to be bigger, better than the Cowboys stadium. And that's a pretty bold statement, but some say it is. So you got new stadium, it's in Los Angeles, going to have the Chargers sharing that stadium, so every week during the football season, Los Angeles is really going to be the place to be. I mean, it really is. It's going to be the place to be. And then, of course, you got some uh, basketball that will start towards the end of the season. So you got some serious, serious attention on this market. And as a head coach, the Rams hire Sean McVay. I don't get it. I don't get it. And for defense, they hire Wade Phillips. Now, I could kind of understand if they went with Wade Phillips as the head coach. Okay, he was in Buffalo, was in Dallas. Great defensive mind. Giving him the old, uh, you know, farewell head coaching job in Los Angeles. Okay, I would get that. But a 30-year-old, brand new, no one ever really heard of Nobody's ever heard of him outside of hardcore football watchers. And, and to basically set the kid up, and he's a kid, 30 years old, he's a kid. To set the kid up with Wade Phillips being the defensive coach. So within four, five, six games, if they don't win, they're going to be screaming for ownership to fire this kid and have Wade Phillips coach. Hell, up until the season, people are going to say, why is Wade Phillips not coaching. Why is why is Wade Phillips not coaching? Why why are they going with this kid? Why are they going with this experiment? Why? And it's not necessarily 
per se the age. I mean, you could be, you know, young and still do a good job. But one of the big things with being a football coach, or any coach for that matter, but I would say football more than any other sport, the experience. And being in the trenches with different organizations and seeing what works and what doesn't work, different coaching styles, working under different coaches. I mean, look at Pete Carroll. I mean, if you want to be technical, the guy was a failure. I shouldn't say failure, but he wasn't very successful when he was in the NFL years and years and years ago. And he even admits it. When he was a head coach, he had a lot to learn. He took his lumps. He took his bruises. Got fired. Made his way to USC. Kind of put everything that he had learned throughout the years into a championship program. And then from there, went back to the NFL. The rest is history. Pete Carroll's regarded as a huge success in the NFL. Pete Carroll could go to any club in the NFL and get Belichick money. So it's that experience. You need that experience. So going with a kid, going with a kid that basically, you know, was assistants and worked for the United Football League. I don't know. Like I said, this isn't a football baseball, sports show. But my staff said, you got to talk about the San Diego move. You got to So I just threw this in. That way, eight months from now, nine months from now, when everything is going south and people are like, well, they put Wade Phillips in. Wade Phillips wouldn't have done that. Any coach with experience would have done that. Jesus, why did they get this kid? You can all uh, refer back to this (laughs) night when I said, why the hell did the Rams hire not just a kid, but somebody with relatively no experience for a team and a city that's going to have the brightest, hottest lights shined on him. 
ever. I mean, seriously, ever. San Diego and L.A. here in Los Angeles next year or this year, next football season. Don't get it. So anyways, you guys reference this day. All right. Mark it in the calendar, please. Mark it in the calendar. Oh, that was the day Rob talked about. The Rams and the Chargers. All right, let's talk politics now. Let's get back to what we know. All right? I could probably do a sports show, couldn't I? I mean, I'm no Mike and Mike, but I could I could pull it off, right? <laughs> I could get one of them. I could be like that, uh, what's that guy with the, the black guy? The great big fat black guy who wears the, uh, he wears the hat. You know the he, he wears like the uh, the fedora. He's all you know. He, what is it, Jason Whitrock or Whitlock? He's like a. It's like he. It's funny because in sports they have shock jock sportscasters. I never knew they. You know that's how out of the loop I am. Yeah, I know there's Colin Cowherd and uh, I do know Colin, but. I never looked at him as a shock jock sports announcer or or sports, uh, you know, guy. I used to listen to Colin Cowherd years ago, years and years and years ago. But I didn't know it's like a big thing now to be a shock jock. And what I mean by that is you just say outrageous things about sports. So you just talk about whether it's Ronda Rousey or Floyd Mayweather or Peyton Mann, whatever sports figure is the hot topic of the day. They need to say crazy stuff. And in the sports world, that's big, big action because other sportscasters or other Sports DJs don't talk like that. I, I didn't know that. It was new to me. So maybe I could, I could do it. I could do it. Maybe uh, after politics, we'll go to a, uh, a, a sports format where I just do like shock jockey stuff and I'll wear the fedora. All right. Anyways. The CNN BuzzFeed fake news story just keeps getting more and more crazy. It's kind of like a puzzle. And the people putting the puzzle together don't have the right pieces, but they force the pieces to fit. So so they, they force it to fit and they squish down the, the rough edges and they're like, well, this will do for now. This will do for now. Hopefully people won't recognize. And if they take notice, we'll just kind of kind of deflect. We'll, you know, we'll pretend that this news or this puzzle piece isn't really there until we find the right puzzle piece. And that's what it seems like because 
the initial story has now changed. The initial story has now changed. And if you don't think this is a Obama, James Clapper doing, you're out of your effing mind. Okay? You're out of your effing mind. I mean, I love when people go, how can you question the intelligence community? How could you, uh, you know, uh, question the, the bravery of the men and women who risk their lives for what were you talking about? You're, you're conflating this. A, a field agent uh, in Prague or Czechoslovakia, okay, is completely different than James Clapper. Completely different than John Brennan. They're completely different than Obama. A field agent, somebody that's risking their life, okay? Somebody that's risking their life to get information completely different than James Clapper or any of the other appointees that are part of the intelligence community. Because remember, this two-page memo and this 35-page dossier didn't come from the intelligence community. Remember that. came from a guy who used to work in British intelligence. It's almost like the guy's a mercenary now. He worked in British intelligence years and years and years and years ago. I mean, it's basically like a a Blackwater scenario. Remember the controversy with Blackwater? It's a whole bunch of former Marines and Navy, just a bunch of former military soldiers, officers, who then were part of a private security company. And they were in Iraq and Afghanistan. And it's very controversial. Very, oh, you can't have private security doing this, and they don't fall under the jurisdiction. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. I mean, that's basically all this guy was. He worked amongst the British intelligence community. He retired or quit or got fired, whatever. Started his own firm. And he would, quote unquote, gather intelligence from sources that he had and still has. Okay. But regardless, he's not part of our intelligence community. He's not the quote unquote brave men and women 
that put their life on the line every day to gather intelligence for the United States of America. And these are the people that Donald Trump is questioning. No. Donald Trump is questioning James Clapper. He's questioning political appointments that now, in this day and age, is strictly based on ideology, on on partisan divisions. That's what Donald Trump is questioning. Because all of this information was not gathered by the brave men and women of our intelligence community. It was gathered by a retired British spy, like James Bond type stuff. And he was paid to get dirt or try to find dirt. As far as we know, the guy made everything up. I mean, seriously, as far as we know, when I hear people go, well, you know, it just shows you that the Russians are trying to uh, meddle because they're putting information. What are you talking Why? What are you saying? I don't get what you're saying. Well, his sources were telling him they have this information. So you see, these Russian sources are making this stuff up. But you're going on the assumption that this guy is telling the truth. You're going on the assumption that a foreigner, not our intelligence community, because we've been told that our intelligence community looked at the paperwork and went, nah, nah, this this, doesn't pan out. We don't see any evidence of this. So when I hear people say this story is, is, is really about three components, no, no, it's all the same. It is state-run media, which is CNN, creating... Doubt Division A shadow Over Trump Over Republicans And basically working hand in hand Democrats In the Obama administration So to say This Brit was getting information from Russian operatives. And these Russian operatives were making up this information to try to meddle into our elections and try to meddle. You're taking this guy's 
word as gospel. And I find that pretty ridiculous. find it pretty ridiculous. And when Trump questions this information, how it somehow made its way into the intelligence community's hands, i.e. James Clapper, and talking about something being political, being done on purpose, and people say, oh, how can you, you can't question these brave men. No. Our brave men and women didn't get the information. No American got that information. Remember, James Clapper is a political appointment. Remember, the person that's going to take James Clapper's job is Dan Coats. He's a Republican. Trump didn't pick a Democrat. He didn't pick somebody that goes, I don't have an ideology. I am just... No. It's a political position. And what I mean by that is you pick somebody that's from your party. You pick somebody that sympathizes with your ideology. Plain and simple. I say it again, and I've said it time in, time out. Leon Panetta, CIA director. If you're going to tell me he plays it right down the middle, he's not a Democrat. You're out of your effing mind. Of course he's a Democrat. And it's fine. It, it, listen, we are where we are now, Okay. We are where we are now. All of these agencies are political. No problem. But to watch CNN, to watch CNN, which, again, is, is state-run media. I, I mean, they're, they're, they're a propaganda wing. For the Democrat Party. To try to play this. Oh. These these aren't partisan. What are you talking about? When you attack this. You're saying that it questions the men. And what. Bull. That's that's not the case. It's not the case. And to watch CNN. As information keeps coming out. That shows. What they did. To be nothing more than a hit job. They're trying to put pieces in the puzzle that will make the puzzle fit. Because the new thing is Biden and Obama confirmed that they were briefed on the unsubstantiated claims against Trump. And... That, that Remember, the original CNN story. And if CNN 
or any news agency, for that matter, has to keep appending their story? Well, don't you think then they shouldn't have ran the initial story if as the days go on, they have to add to the story? They have to correct the story. Shouldn't they have waited until they got all the facts? And by doing that, by the very definition of what is called fake news, which, by the way, I love that liberals are going, we got to stop using the word fake news. we got to stop using the word fake news. It's overplayed. I watched Seth Meyers talk about, we just got to stop using fake news. It's like when your grandfather uses the word shinizzle. Hey, stupids, you guys are the ones that invented the word fake news. You guys are the ones that label everything that comes from the Republican side. Oh, that's fake news. That's just fake news. That... So you wound up, it's, 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 it's like somebody, it's like somebody who gets their gun taken away from them or their, their, their weapon, whatever, and it gets used against them. That's what it's like. So the liberals came up with the term fake news, and they were going to brand that as demonizing any information that Republicans put out that involves Democrats. Oh, that's just fake news. And then they would push that, Rather, it's, you know, late night TV, uh, comedy, wherever, you know, just just the way they do things. And then all of a sudden they got the word flipped on them. And as soon as they got it flipped on them, they're like, all right, tap out, tap out. We we no longer can use this word anymore. We can't we can't use this word. but, But you guys created the word. You guys created the whole Fake news. Well, we, we don't like, you don't like it because you now got it turned on you. When Trump goes, CNN, fake news. I'm not going to answer your question. You're fake news. So now you got all the liberals going, can we just stop using the word fake news? Whether it's Seth Meyers or the Washington Post, now it's them trying to downplay and downright dismiss fake news. Oh, well, you know, this, this is now something that Republicans are using to dismiss anything we say. It's, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, you just, you just got, you just got beaten with your own weapon. <laughs> you just got, you just got beaten with your own weapon. You just got beaten. Pulled a knife on me. You 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 came to and you threatened me. You get to stab me. And I just I, I just took it from you and, and stabbed you in the eye with it. <laughs> you stupid. So remember the initial BS, the initial fake news from CNN was they 
reported on this two-page memo and this 35-page dossier. I love using the word dossier. I've never used it so much. I've never used the word dossier and a few months ago, Aleppo. That was the other, Aleppo. I never heard the word Aleppo used as much as I've now heard the word dossier. Dossier, dossier, Aleppo. We could have a, we could, we could have a whole thing about dossiering Aleppo. So remember, the initial CNN report was President Obama and President-elect Trump were presented with two-page memos that detailed the 35-page dossier that BuzzFeed published. And what's funny is when people said to CNN, and I think Kellyanne Conway said to CNN, well, you guys linked to the article, or you linked to the story, or however it was worded, because, because it wasn't a hyperlink that went right to the PDF, Hack Tapper, and Anderson Cooper, and the rest of the Democrat flunkies at CNN were able to go, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. It linked to a Dellen Byers article, but never. De- okay. Oh, Jesus. Okay. It's like splitting hairs, uh, liberals and the state run media. As long as they could say the link didn't go to the 35-page PDF. They never linked to the BuzzFeed article. But in the initial article, you click on the link that says, the memos have since been published by BuzzFeed. That goes to an article by Dylan Bears of CNN who used to be at Politico, another hack, where he talks about everything in the BuzzFeed 35-page dossier. I mean, he doesn't talk about golden showers, which is the new buzzword, (laughs) golden showers. That's almost as good as Dossier and Aleppo. Actually, it might be better than Aleppo. It might go Dossier, Golden Showers, and then Aleppo. As far as uh, the most used word in the last few months, and entertaining word, because Aleppo's entertaining to say. Aleppo. You know, it's great when you go on CNN and, and they try so hard to say they're not a partisan. But practically every night they have the most over-the-top 
liberal, hacky, gummy fire throwers that they could possibly find. But you'll never see them do what they do for the left with the right. So right now, if you go to Don Lemon, he's got Michael Moore on. Now, if Michael Moore, you can't get any more of a bomb thrower than Michael Moore on the left. And yet, you'll never see somebody like Alex Jones on CNN. You'll never see a bomb thrower from the right on CNN, but yet CNN says, we're not uh, in the bag for Democrats. We're not liberal hacks. What do you mean, how? If you're going to have Michael Moore, if you're going to have somebody that basically said George Bush caused 9-11, why don't you have somebody of his equal fire from the right? They don't, because the people they have representing the right are paid by CNN. So they tow the line. So when you see Jeffrey Lord, he tows the line. When they talk about fake news or uh, partisan networks, Jeffrey Lord always goes, well, I'm not, I'm not talking about CNN. Of course. S.E. Cup. That hack. Oh, I'm not talking about CNN. I know I, I, I veered off course a little, but just burns my nuts. You have Michael Moore. But we're not partisan. We're not. What are you talking about? Anyways. So, the Dylan Byers story and the initial link from the initial story all talked about what was in the BuzzFeed article. So you click from the initial CNN article that goes to the Dylan Bears article where he talks about what's in the BuzzFeed story and the 35-page dossier. So... Okay, you go from one CNN story, click, to the next CNN story, and now you're like, oh my God, this is wild stuff. Let me go to BuzzFeed, www.buzzfeed.com. Oh, wow, golden showers. So, yes, Anderson Cooper. Yes, Hack Tapper. You're right. You didn't link to the PDF file. Our bad. You're you're not partisan. You're not a hack. You're not uh, state controlled. Okay. Ugh. Just just the story just keeps so. The initial story said. That uh, Intel operatives, in, Intel, uh, 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 Clapper, briefed Trump on the two-page 
memo about the 35-page dossier on golden showers. And CNN's, of course, rationale, and this is exactly what they did. Just remember, we talk about this all the time. It's exactly what they did in the second debate. It was a big setup. They knew about the NBC. They knew about what was going to happen with the girls. It was all set up. NBC set it up. Again, all the same people that are involved now. So NBC rolls out the tape. Anderson Cooper the next day at the debate. Go figure. Right next day. Boom. There it is. Anderson Cooper says to Trump, uh, you know, no woman is going to come out. No one is going to say that. No one. Putting Trump on record right there. And Trump's like, yeah, I, I've never done any of that. Are you, and, and Cooper kept going. Are you sure? You never. Are you? Ne- I never. I never. And what happens the next day? Hi, I'm Anderson Cooper. We have breaking news. This 79-year-old woman said Donald Trump groped her and had hands like an octopus. Gee. Really? Really, Anderson? We got it. So here's what CNN did again. Clapper briefed president-elect and the president on what was in the dossier. So we had to report on this happening. We didn't report what was in the dossier. We talked about what was in the dossier in the sense of saying BuzzFeed printed, unverified, salacious details. We didn't print that. We didn't talk about that. We just reported on Donald Trump being briefed, page, memo, on a 35-page dossier. So, we here at CNN it was our obligation to report on James Clapper, director of intelligence, briefing the president-elect and briefing the president on this report. That's news. If the director of the intelligence community thinks this is important enough to brief the president and president-elect, then why wouldn't we cover it? So that's how CNN was able to play the game. That's their MO. And remember, going back to Donna Brazil, an employee of CNN's, giving questions to Hillary Clinton, Dana Bash dancing at Hillary Clinton's coronation party with Wolf Blitzer champagne, Gloria Borish telling John Podesta, you're a TV star, Sir M.O., 
What's the MO? They can report this. They can talk about it. If James Clapper brings it up. Oh, but James Clapper's not partisan. Okay, sure. Of course James Clapper's partisan. James Clapper came out against Trump. We talked about this yesterday. There was more than one anonymous sourced story talking about Clapper and other heads of the spy community who didn't like Trump. We talked about this yesterday. Just just go Google. Go, you can find stories on CNN. You can find these stories. You find these stories. All of this stuff has been set up from day one. From CNN. And, and, and it's really CNN. Because you've got to understand. CNN, and I've said this before, and I'm, I'm going to try to be short because I don't want to uh, uh, move away from laying out our case. Because, not to go ahead, but right now, they're saying James Comey is the one that briefed Trump. I, I mean, that's completely different. That's completely different than what CNN initially swore by and reported on and got the ball rolling on all of this. So remember that. Remember that. But CNN is owned, controlled by biggest. Like like when we talk about state-run media, like I said, yes, the day and age we live in now with the internet it's hard to say, oh, we're, you know, like uh, China, where China controls the television, China controls the internet. So it's hard to say we're exactly like that. But when you have Time Warner, okay, when you have an organization that owns CNN, HBO, Warner Brothers, DC Comics, Hulu, Warner Music, and soon AT&T. You're as close to controlling every aspect, information that involves not just the country, but the world. Okay? Not just the country, but the world. You on cable? 
Well, Time Warner. They're the big guns. You want a phone? AT&T. The big guns. So when you're talking about CNN, and I brought this up countless times, and you're in a doctor's office, or you're in an airport, and they play news, it's CNN. When you hear Obama talk about going into these bars and they're playing Fox News, okay, no, they're not. Just, Just stop. Listen, when you hear people talk about Trump being petty, you notice the media never talks about how petty Obama is. If Trump talks about someone more than three times, they convey a panel on CNN. Why do you think the president-elect is obsessed with Whoever. Like, what is wrong with him? He's going to be the president of the United States. How does he have this upset? What is wrong with him? What? And yet, you can find maybe 20 to 30 times where Obama has talked about Fox News and Sean Hannity. Seriously, either Fox News or Sean Hannity. Well, if you go to bed, I'm a bad brother, but if you listen to Fox News, oh, I guess Sean Hannity ain't going to want to have a beer with me. Fox News. And, and Trump is petty? Are you serious? Trump is the one that obsesses? Oh, why is he talking about the so-and-so? Why is he doing well, what, what? In the past eight years, it goes Fox News, Sean Hannity, and then Rush Limbu. And Obama has talked about those three things at least a hundred times. That's not the media? Isn't it funny? Uh, and we've talked about this before. Isn't it funny? Fox News somehow is not the media. So when Trump goes after CNN, everyone on the left goes, oh, he's going after the news. How could he go after the news? This is with the media. Oh, my God. But Obama goes after Fox. And it's like, ah, (laughs) well, isn't that the media? When Obama goes after Sean Hannity, isn't that the media? They're not the media? No, they're not the media. The media is only CNN, Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon, Hack Tapper. Oh, okay. Get it. Got the message. Got the message. So CNN puts out the story that 
Trump was briefed two memos. So that got the ball rolling. Now, that very night, that very night, and I tweeted this to Hack Tapper, and yesterday we talked about would this be CNN's um, Dan Rather moment? Would this be their CBS Dan Rather moment? Because NBC News put out an article that, and I love using that word too. That's the other word I never heard used so much. Aleppo, dossier, golden showers, and debunked, okay? By the end of the show, our list will probably grow. (laughs) Debunked. So I kept tweeting out the NBC story. Maggie Haberman at New York Times was all like, see, look at the CNN. She wasn't talking about the NBC story. She was just, oh, we, we can't let Donald Trump go after the press. We can't let Donald Trump go after the press. And again, I go back to, well, Obama went after Sean Hannity and Fox. Aren't they the press? They're not the press. Okay. Got it. Because CNN, why is it such a big deal? For CNN to get attacked because they're state-run media. That's why. Why is why is why are they all making it a big deal? Because CNN is the state-run media. They're the ones that are controlled by Time Warner, HBO. Again, I'll read the list, and I know I'm missing stuff. Hulu, Warner Music, DC Comics, HBO, Warner Brothers, and a soon-to-be merger with AT&T. Entertainment and media outlet. You can't get bigger than the people that control cable and the people that control how you talk on the phone or text. So NBC puts out an article. Now, let me throw this at you real quick. President-elect Donald Trump was informed about the existence of the unverified allegations against him about Russian ties after last Friday's intel briefing at Trump Tower on alleged Russian hacking, officials told NBC News. A senior U.S. official said that it was FBI Director James Comey himself who pulled Trump aside after briefing and spoke with him one-on-one about the so-called dossier. This is what NBC reported last night debunking what CNN reported that got the whole ball rolling. And now tonight... This is what CNN is breaking news with. James Comey briefed the president a lot. But that's not what CNN originally said. CNN originally did not say this. 
So as I sent this story last night to Hack Tapper and Essie Cup and Maggie Haberman and the rest of these, I don't even I don't even want to say what they are. Okay. And I said, okay, somebody is full of crap. Somebody is putting out fake news. It's either CNN's report or NBC's report. But somebody is wrong. Somebody is lying. Somebody is lying. Somebody's lying. Somebody is lying. What is going on? Somebody is lying. And now if you go to the NBC story... They put in their tagline, NBC News previously reported Trump was not told about the contents of the dossier during the formal briefing. Again, you have CNN and NBC reporting completely different stories. And yet, when Trump says, you're fake news, or he pushes back, oh, how could he attack free press? How could he attack the media? The media people got to stand together. What are you talking about? You guys put out fake news. Like I said in the beginning of this bit. It's like CNN started to put a puzzle together. And they put pieces of the puzzle together that did not fit. But they wedged it together. Wedged it together. And then said, look, everybody, look, look, it it, it fit. But when you look close enough, it didn't fit. There were pieces that were forced into a place. And now as more information comes out, they're slowly taking those pieces out and putting the pieces that do fit in place. And then you have people that go, oh, well, Trump, he acted like a child. He acted like a child. Because Jim Acosta was screaming out, I, 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 I want to I respond. Are you, you just, again? Trump said, no, you don't get a question. No. No, you don't get a question. You get nothing. Nothing. 
like I've said before, man, it's not just the liberals, but it's Republicans. It's the Washington apparatus. Trump upended everyone. Prior to Trump, didn't matter who said what about you. You couldn't respond. You couldn't respond. So you could go on television. You can go sit there with Rachel Maddow. And be like, this this president or this senator or this person, they this and they that and blah, 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 blah. And if there was any pushback whatsoever, you were a bad guy. I mean, how does it normally go? You say something that Don Lemon gets upset by, or uh, you know somebody gets somebody gets offended by it, and of course they're the ones that are right. So an outrage starts, and then that person resigns, apologizes, ostracized, and they're gone. So from that point forward, you don't say a word. You don't, nothing. You say nothing. Well, Trump comes along, and he pushes back. He pushes back. And those of you who are new to the show, let me break it down for you like this. Journalists, reporters, are nothing more than the loser, booger-eating fart sniffers that we all laughed at in high school. And they've been sold a a, they've been sold the goods that if they get a degree in journalism, they will no longer be that kid that couldn't get a date to the prom, that stunk like garbage because he didn't know how to properly wash themselves, ate their boogers. Sometimes they just leave the boogers under their desk. For a, for a snack later and sit in their own smelly gas. These were the people that are now journalists. So they went to school, got a degree in journalism, which is the easiest degree you could possibly get. It's almost as easy as women's studies. I mean, none of these people uh, have degrees in you know, electrical engineering or anything, journalism. I'm a journalism. So then they become a journalist, and instantly they're cool. Instantly they're invited to the parties. Instantly people want to be friends with them. Why? Because they could give them good ink. I told this story uh, countless times. I'll, I'll say it real quick because some of you, who are regular listeners are going to get bored. So 
You get bored, go take a pee real quick, go get something to drink, and then pop back. It only takes three, four minutes. I used to be in entertainment industry many, 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 many years ago. And in that industry, we had a magazine. And it was like the Bible of our industry. And if you had, uh, you know, something new you wanted to push, if you had movies, uh, you know, that you needed to get a good, whatever it was, you needed to dominate that magazine. And it had an editorial staff of about six or seven people, men and women. And they were all losers. Literally losers. One of the people that was like the associate editor had to weigh 500 pounds. He probably, after he gets done taking a dump, has has to wash himself in a bathtub. How disgusting. I mean, this just looking at this human being, his name was Ken. Just looking at this human being, you got you were disgusted. Uh, just just a disgusting sloth of a human being. But guess what? Guess what? Some of the most hottest, beautiful women would hang out with him. Why? Because he could do photo shoots for the magazine and get them on the cover. He would be at all the hottest parties. Why? Because companies wanted good reviews for their products. And that was the name of the game. So if you were nice to this 500-pound sloth, guess what? You could get your star cover of the magazine. And ladies and gentlemen, I knew how to play the game perfect to the point where the editor, okay, the editor, two of the editors eventually came and worked for me because they all wanted to be in the manufacturing end of the business I was in. So they didn't want to just write about it. They wanted to be in it. They wanted to make it. They wanted to be the movie makers themselves. Every single one of these people were the most disgusting, slothiest, booger-eating fart sniffers that if it wasn't for what they did, they wouldn't have a friend. So that's what all of these media people are. That's all they are. That's all they are. They went to whatever college and got a journalism degree, and voila, everybody wants to be their friend. They pull out their card and they go, yeah, hi, I'm uh, uh, Ashwan Mashman from the Daily Beast. I'm the editor there. Oh, hey, how are you? Hey, buddy. Hey, how are Kid couldn't get friends when he was in high school eating his snots. Olivia Nunzi, Glenn Truss. You find me one of these journalists, okay, that have a history... Of being this 
highly successful, you know, uh, independent, popular, uh, you know, adolescent, so to speak. I guess adolescent would be the word teenager. I mean, look at the history of Anderson Cooper from a what? A billionaire privileged family. His mom, uh, uh, Vanderbilt. It looked like this very mommy dearest type of vibe. The son that, that mommy's boy. Hi, hi, mommy. Mommy, what can I do for you, mommy? What do you think? This, this guy, you think Anderson Cooper was this happening dude in high school? People are like, hey, rich boy, you rich. Look at you got everything. Don't say that about me. But look at him now. He's moderating presidential debates. Tell me, Mr. Trump. Tell me. Every single one of these people. Booger eater and fart sniffers. So now Trump comes along and he's shattering everything that they were told, everything they were sold. So you got somebody like Katie Turd going, wait, wait a minute. You're, I'm supposed to get respect. I'm a journalist. Remember when Trump pulled people's uh, uh, credentials? And everybody was going, this is an assault on free speech and the freedom of press. No, was it? What it was, was putting those booger eaters and fart sniffers in their place. It it was them being relegated back to their high school era. Because now they had to wait in line for a Trump rally. Because remember, all that credential did... All that credential did was put them at the front of the line. It didn't deny them to cover a Trump rally. It just denied them access to the front of the line. I remember, you know, on the, on the, on the, the campaign trail, one of the Daily Beast or BuzzFeed, one of those guys that got their credentials pulled, even talked about how they had to wait in line in the rain because Trump pulled their press credential. Oh, oh, you little fart-sniffing booger eater. What, are you getting flashbacks to when you were in high school and you went and asked the popular girl to the, to the dance and she looked at you and went, I wouldn't go to this dance with you if you were the last person on earth. If, if everybody died, I wouldn't go to the dance at you, Glenn Thrust. So Trump made all of these journalists who were promised that they would be popular forever and they would get invited to all the hip parties and they'd be hanging out in the Washington bars, rubbing elbows, you know, with the movers and shakers. And then when they go to their 
high school reunion, they could go, look at me. What do you do, Bob? Well, I'm a mechanical engineer for Rockadyne. I work on, oh, well, you know what I do? I'm a reporter for the Politico. Oh, that's really good. You know what I do? I get to go to the White House. Yeah. And they say next year, I might be able to ask the president a question. Look at me. And you all said I would be nothing more than a booger-eating fart snip. All right, Katie, relax. And you guys made fun of me that my dad chopped off his weenie and became a woman. All of you made fun of me. And look at me now. I'm on MSNBC. All right, calm down there, Katie Turd. All right. Okay, yeah, you're a journalist. You're you're a real success. Okay. And that's the journalists. That's why they're so upset about Trump. I mean, when Trump ditched them to go have dinner, oh, Wolf Blitzer was a, this is so wrong. This goes against the tradition. They, these, they're supposed to travel with the president. They're supposed to fly on his airplane. Oh, they're supposed to be treated like royalty. Because they were all sold a bill of goods by their journalism professor that they were going to get all of this cool stuff. They were going to get this. They, they were going to get a, a swag bag. But instead of a, a bag, it's, it's life of a swag bag. So Trump comes along and says, uh, Katie Turr, F you. Hey, everybody. She's a dishonest reporter. And the crowd starts booing. And Katie Turr's like, what's going on? I haven't felt this since I was in high school. <laughs> And then she runs uh, on MSNBC and goes, this is a, an assault on free press. How is it? You still wrote an article, and you're still sitting there on Chris Matthews' show saying what a scumbag Donald Trump is. You, there was no free press denied. The only thing free that was denied was donuts, a front row seat, and you being revered as this popular, awesome, cool, whatever you were promised when you were in high school getting picked on because your dad's a tranny. That's all. That's all. So now you hear people go, what Trump did at that press conference was like acting like a child. What what was acting like a child? Because CNN... along with BuzzFeed, rolled out crap. They strategically rolled out crap. And as we're pointing out tonight, it's crap that has to keep getting fixed. Two-page report, Trump was briefed. Okay, nope, wait a minute. He wasn't briefed by this two-page report. He was briefed by James Comey. Okay, wait a minute. 
NBC says he wasn't sure. Okay, wait a minute. I mean, it's it's just this going back and forth. It was a two-page brief from James Clapper. No, it wasn't a two-page brief from James Clapper. It was a verbal conversation with James Cl- So, okay, what is it, guys? What is it? <laughs> what is it? What is it? So Trump said to Jim Acosta, you don't get a question. And it wasn't like Jim Acosta went, uh, president-elect, I would like to ask you, Trump's talking about CNN, and Acosta starts shouting. Mr. President, don't I get a question? Don't we get to respond? You're talking about my network. Don't I get to be- and then him and Trump are going back and forth. How is Trump the one acting like a five-year-old child? When somebody says that, what they're saying is Trump should have shut up and let the journalist ask what he wanted to because he got a degree in journalism and that is the birthright of journalists, that they are allowed to do whatever they want because they are no longer the booger eaters and fart sniffers. It's just like when Jorge Ramos did the exact thing. And everybody on the left and the never-Trumpers on the right, oh, how could he do it? But here's Trump. Call, okay, you get a question. And the person starts answering the question, and here comes Jorge Ramos. Mr. President, what is it? And Trump goes, I didn't call on you. But Mr. President, I did So bad behavior is supposed to be rewarded? I mean, it's just insane. And it's only on the left. It really is. It's only on the left. And it's really only with this president. But that's not acting like a five-year-old child. Jim Acosta was acting like a five-year-old child. Trump wasn't calling on him. That's it. If you don't get called on, you don't stand up and start screaming. You're talking, don't I get a question? Don't I get a question? No, you, you don't. You get nothing. Okay? Jerk off. You get nothing. Oh, that's an assault on our free press. No, it's not. Especially, especially with the fact that another CNN reporter asked the question, that Acosta wanted to ask. All Acosta wanted to do was interject himself and, and try to be like a Megyn Kelly. Because, he, he, listen, you're, a, you're a, a half-assed reporter. Now maybe you could be a half-assed, uh, you know, Don Lemon. Trump didn't deny CNN, even though CNN... Is fake news because one of the other CNN reporters asked a question. 
All Trump did was, I'm not going to call on you, Acosta. F you. That's not hampering free press. All that's doing is taking away something that Jim Acosta was promised when he was in high school. That's it. What, what don't you all understand? Jim Acosta, and I'll say it again, was promised a, a swag bag of life. In high school, Jim Acosta was promised that if he becomes a journalist, he will instantly gain popularity. He will, inst- he will go from being the loser that he is, the guy that picks his nose, eats his boogers, and smells his own farts, Somebody just corrected me. It was an ABC reporter that asked the question. But a CNN reporter was also there. I think it was that Mattingly guy. But another CNN reporter was there and asked the question. Somebody was there from CNN, one of the other CNN guys. But regardless, help me out here. Acosta was promised that he would be cool. And the minute he was rejected, it broke what he was promised when he was in high school, which was get a journalism degree and everybody will want to be your friend because you'll be able to write cool stuff about them. And that's the issue. has nothing to do with Trump's being a five-year-old child. And that's why the media is trying to play this. It's an assault on free press. It's an assault on what we cherish. No, it's not. He just, when he doesn't want to be challenged, no. Again, that, that that really has nothing to do with it. You ask a question, okay. You, you ask a question. If you don't like the answer, are, oh well. You know, I said this during the primaries. The problem with Trump and why and why everyone on the left gets all you know, distraught because Trump's not a politician. So Trump doesn't know how to not answer a question by giving a five-sentence, ten-sentence answer, and he hasn't had a life in politics to be able to do that. So, example, John McCain, or Elizabeth Warren has been doing what they've been doing in politics for many, many years. Elizabeth Warren, not so much. 
But they've been doing what they've been doing for many, many years. So when a reporter goes, uh, why is the sky blue? Why do you want it to be red? Whatever. And they don't have an answer for it. Or they don't want to answer it. They know how to give a, you know, paragraph or two paragraphs and then move on. And that reporter or whoever, whatever hack it is, isn't going to get confrontational because McCain or Warren have never been confrontational. So there's this decorum. Well, that's not Trump. Trump's an outsider. He's done everything against the grain. He gets confrontational. When somebody writes a bad article, he'll let them know. And somehow that completely trips, again, the media out. Because like I've said countless times before, the media feels that they're entitled to forever coolness because they were told that by their teachers or professors, and that's the way it's supposed to be. So nobody's supposed to challenge them on anything they write. Nobody's supposed to say, hey, that article you wrote on me was a bad article. It's a horrible article. Matter of fact, you're an a-hole. Not supposed to do that. Reporters, journals, whatever they're called. It's been written in stone that that privilege, I want to talk about white privilege, how about media privilege? They're allowed to say whatever they want. If you respond, you're an a-hole. Oh, okay. And that's not Trump. So when Trump sees a political show and it's Jim Acosta or whoever saying something crappy, we're not talking about facts, okay? Because I'll be the first one to say, hey, he shouldn't act that way with somebody just saying X, Y, fact. What's your opinion? What's your stance? But that's not where we are with journalism. That, that's not what it is. It's, it's, it, it, it's not Walter Cronkite. What do you want to do uh, in Aleppo? Well, blah, 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 blah. Okay, what would you do with this? But that's not how it is. Because someone like Chris Cuomo asks a question, uh-huh, 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 and then the next day on New Day, opinion. And then his opinion is a crappy, nasty opinion. So then Trump or whoever sees that and goes, Huh, 
you know what? The next time I see him, I'm going to tell him. And isn't that what we do in our lives? Isn't that what we do growing up? If you're in an office and you hear Bob at the water cooler is saying you like uh, golden showers and people are coming up to you going, hey, man, didn't know you like golden showers. Do you want a golden shower? And you're like, what are you talking about? I'm not into golden showers. At least not from (laughs) you. Who's telling you this? Bob at the water cooler. Don't you then go to Bob? Of course you do. Oh, but you don't do That's the press. No, they're not the press. Okay? And I've said this before. They're hacks that disguise their... They, they use the word media or press or, or uh, newspaper. They, 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 they disguise their hackiness with that term. Kind of like the uh, Godfather movies or Godfather 2 when they're talking about McCluskey, the, the cop, and Michael goes, well, you know what we could do? We could, we could kill him. And they go, you can't, you can't take out a cop? What are you talking about, Mike? He goes, he's not a cop. He's dirty. He's, he's like one of us. He's in the rackets. He's in the crotch. Man, it's the same thing with these journalists. They're not journalists. If you, if you, if you sit there and say to Jim, you're a scumbag. I'm not gonna give. I'm not gonna give you the time of day. That can't be used as, oh, he just doesn't like the questions. He's uh, prohibiting free. But no, he's not a. He's not what a true journalist is. He's disguising himself. He's a hack. He's a political hack. He's a Democrat shill. You can't use the word press. You can't say this is prohibiting free press and free speech. You lose that privilege. You lose that right. Once you've been proven to be a hack. Glenn Trust should never, ever get access to the President of the United States or any official or any information that is supposed to be disseminated to give people an informative, unbiased, unbiased. He's he disqualified. The minute he emailed John Podesta and said, I am a hack. Look at this story. Tell me what you want in it. Tell me what you want out of it. That's it. So if Glenn Trust was at that press conference, stood up, raised his hand, and Trump said, I don't take uh, questions from you. You're a hack. Would would that 
would, would, would that fall in the category of prohibiting free press? Would that be considered a dangerous precedent that our government, the President of the United States, is shutting down reporters? I guarantee you everyone on the left would say it is. Because, see, the left doesn't... Their position is, is the ultimate... And there is no wavering on that position. So in their mind, you're shutting down free speech and Glenn Trust is not a hack. Because in a Democrat's mind, anything that they do is right. Now you could say, well, isn't that the way it is on the Republican side? Okay, but at least the people like Sean Hannity, the Charles Krautheimer, to a lesser extent, even though he used to be a Democrat, but at least these people say, I'm a Republican. You're not going to get too much sympathy from me for Democrats. You're not. Rather, it's, uh, you know, Eric Bowling. You know, they're, they're Republicans. And they don't hide that. Hide that. But everyone on the left, oh, I'm a reporter. I'm a journalist. No, you're a partisan. No, I'm not. You don't know that I, I've heard I've heard Anita Cooper and Don Lemon. I've heard them say, "What do you say? You don't know how I vote. You don't. Oh Jesus! <laughs> oh Jesus! Just stop. If Glenn Thrust stood up, because he's going to be covering the White House, Maggie Haberman." From the New York Times. She was in those email exchanges. Coordinating. With the Clinton camp. Now if she stood up at a press conference. And said. "Uh, Mr. President. And Trump said. I'm not taking questions from you. You're a hack. Would Trump be. Prohibiting free press. And. Would the left and never-Trumpers feel the same way if Obama was doing a press conference and Sean Hannity jumped up and said, Mr. President, Mr. President, let me ask you. I guarantee you there would not be this debate. That is going on with Trump and Acosta, Obama, and any Republican that just started screaming at him in a press conference. Remember, remember, Acosta was not called on. Doesn't matter if Trump was overlooking him. Doesn't that doesn't matter? 
It doesn't matter. If you're a partisan hack, if you've been exposed as a hack, being the guy in school that eats his boogers, sniffs his farts, and no one wants to be friends with. All the journalism degrees in the world ain't going to pull you out of that place. So Trump didn't say to him, go ahead. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, that's your question. I'm not answering it. I don't like you. Sit down. He didn't do that. Acosta started screaming. Trump said his famous, you know, finger twirl, you. And then Acosta started doing the Jorge Ramos. And Trump was like, I didn't call on you. But you're talking about our network. We have a right. I didn't call on you. But you were talking about our network. I didn't call on you. I know if you're on the left and you're listening to the show, you're screaming and you're yelling, you're bitching and you're whining. But legit, legit, try to put your partisan crap aside and just imagine Sean Hannity screaming at Obama in a press conference or Eric Bowling screaming at Obama in a press conference. Just imagine that. What, what, what would people be saying today? What would people be saying today? What, would anybody be coming to the defense Remember, because liberals, don't, uh, they, they pretend this doesn't exist, but there was a time many, 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 many years ago that Obama actually banned Fox News from a briefing. There was a time when they got banned. Now, I know I'm being very simplistic with it, and it was like, oh, well, it wasn't like a ban. This happened and this got mistaken. But it was a ban. They, they, they played a game. And they were basically saying, you're not allowed to come to this briefing. You're not real news. They said that. That was legit. That was legit. As far as I'm concerned... Andrea Mitchell should never, ever get called on at a press conference. Anybody that's been proven to be a partisan hack. And again, this is also a lot of the pushback from the left and the right against Trump. Because he's effing with all of these people's money, their fame, their fortune. Because think about this, okay? Think about this. If you're the boss of MSNBC or you're the boss of CBS or whatever news agency, and you have Andrea Mitchell, okay? who's been uh, flushed out to be a hack. 
okay? Or you're a Glenn Thrust, who's now at the New York Times, proving that you're a hack. Chuck Todd. If you are assigned to the White House, okay, and you are frozen out of everything, placed in the back of the room, you get, you get, you get placed behind, you know, prisonplanet.com, <laughs> you know, you, you get, you get placed behind a, a reporter from, uh, uh, from my show, <laughs> okay. And every time you raise your hand, you never get to ask a question. I mean, you're just treated like garbage, but you're still part of the whole press conferences. So you write your little articles, but you never get an exclusive. You never get a off-the-record comment. Do you think your boss is going to keep you on that beat for very much longer? Do you think your boss is going to keep you in that position over Somebody who hasn't been proven to be a partisan hack? Of course not. So that's one of the other reasons that they're pissed. Because they know in a week when there's a press briefing room and the hacks like Glenn Trust are sitting in the back. And when they pass out the bag lunches, they get the bologna sandwich that's all moist and wet and dirty. And they sit in the back of the bus. And that news organization, the New York Times, is treated like some second-class Garbage. Don't you think the boss of the New York Times or whoever's of that division is going to be like, you know what, Glenn, we we need to put somebody that hasn't proved themselves to be a hack. Hey, Maggie, we're going to have to put somebody on. But why? Well, because you're a hack. You're a hack. Okay. You're a now. Of course, the New York Times are run by hacks, but I'm just giving an example. And that's why a lot of these people are just distraught over Trump. It has nothing to do with his language. It has nothing to do with any of that. The money in the pocketbook. And if you're not sitting in the front, if you're not that person that gets called on first, if you're not that person that gets the exclusive interview with Ivanka Trump, or you don't get the exclusive, if you don't get any of that stuff, you're stuck at what you do. The profession that you do doesn't rise. 
You're no different than somebody that works for our show. You're no different. If you're not getting the access, if you're not getting treated like somebody that's popular and cool and not like a booger eater, you're no different than somebody that works for my show. And that's why the Jim Acostas are all upset. That's why CNN has been in a freak out. Because if Trump keeps labeling them fake news, fake news, fake news, and people like Acosta keep getting their stones busted, what do you think the higher-ups are going to do? Remember, we talked about this before. All these people should be fired. Every single one of them should be gone. The day after the election, I said, okay, now all of these pundits, all of these, they, it's all going to change, right? I mean, how do you keep people in positions that were wrong? I mean, still to this day, we're debating Weapons of mass destruction. Part of the Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, and Trump debate was, Hillary Clinton, you were for going to the Iraq war. You have a... So in every walk of life, there's consequences for making the bad call. Like every walk of life. But in the news world, in the CNN, CBS, ABC world, in the New York Times world, it's like, no, nah, no. Nah. Yeah, we, we were wrong about everything for 16 months. We did everything in our power to make sure this person would win. And now we lost. I mean, it's kind of like when you attempt a coup. Those people aren't forgiven. People aren't like, oh, you tried. Nice attempt. Now go back to your lives. Those people are killed. They're killed. They're wiped out. Why? Because they did it once. They're going to do it again. Now, of course, I'm not condoning killing the people in the media. But my analogy holds true. Because all of these people attempted a coup, so to speak. And they failed. And guess what? They're all going to try it again. And this week, you've seen it. This week, you've seen it. 
with this BuzzFeed collusion with CNN and James Clapper. You've seen it. That's why in a coup attempt, they kill and get rid of all those people. So, because the media, because no one demanded, and I've said this before, the easiest way to flip CNN, so to speak, or at least put them in their place, where they go, okay, we're going to get rid of, uh, you know, Van Jones, we're going to get rid of uh, uh, Anderson Cooper. We're going we're gonna to do all these things. Or, like I said the other day, you don't get rid of Anderson Cooper per se, but he just doesn't do politics. He does what he does good, which is kind of be gay. Do the whole, you know, we're, we're going to talk with Andy Cohen on, and see what happens next. And I'm going to do a, a man pyramid on... Uh, on a beach with my one-man show and Andy Co- Do that. Oh, we're on the set of uh, Iron Man 9. Hey, Robert Downey Jr., how you doing? Hi, Anderson. And the way you do that is you don't do town halls. Like tonight, Paul Ryan did a town hall with Jake. You don't do that. Go on CNN. You don't do it. No different than you don't see Democrats showing up on Fox. I know you could point to one or two, maybe three different ones that actually do show up on Fox here and there. But for the most part, Democrats are not rolling on Fox. Okay? Elizabeth Warren is not sitting down with and, or with uh, Bill O'Reilly. Elizabeth Warren is not sitting down with Sean Hannity. Elizabeth Warren is not sitting down with Tucker Carlson. Elizabeth, it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So if the people like Paul Ryan, and other Republicans said to CNN, you know what, we're done with you. We're done. We're done. Unless you make fundamental changes, unless you become a news organization, again, like the days of Bernie Shaw, Unless you fix the broken things, we're done with you. We're done. Why should we help you get ratings to bash us? So you have Paul Ryan, who does a town hall, and then after, they do an hour show of Van Jones and people like him bashing Paul Ryan Republican policies along with Donald Trump. Why? This doesn't benefit Paul Ryan. 
This doesn't benefit the Republican Party. All it does is legitimizes CNN and Jake Tapper. That's all it does. That's all it does. You legitimize CNN. They were wrong. They were they were so wrong. They, they I mean they were just beyond wrong for 16 months. They tried a coup. And even now, they're still pushing this narrative. The James Comey letter cost Hillary Clinton the election. So now, they're showing polls that were, you know, before the Comey letter, and then after the Comey letter. And that, so they're showing their own polls, which everybody's already established were wrong. So they're taking polls that were wrong in the first place and then saying, take a look. When the James Comey letter came out, Hillary went from this wrong poll <laughs> to that wrong poll. And then when this came out, from the FBI, that wrong poll went to... So they're sitting there trying to equate the Comey letter polls that they had, which were wrong. Which were wrong. Every poll that they conducted was wrong. And now... We're watching, see it again, like I said. When a coup is attempted, they don't let the people off and continue doing whatever they were doing before they attempted the coup. Why? Because they're going to attempt the coup again. For 16 months, CNN did everything in their power to make sure not just Hillary won and Trump lost, but a Democrat would be president. And that Democrat happened to be Hillary Clinton. So they did everything in their power to make sure a Democrat won. They failed. They failed. Their coup failed. But guess what? They're never going to stop. So they started again this week with BuzzFeed and James Clapper. And how do they get rewarded? With Paul Ryan doing a town hall. It's just insanity. It's just insanity. It's just insanity. And just to button everything up, just to button everything up, just a little. Remember, we've been talking about Obama and exactly what the hell he's trying to do. And I think it was Monday we said if we were legitimate conspiracy theorists, if, if we were like coast-to-coast uh, radio George Norrie conspiracy theorists, you could look at everything that Obama has 
done from day one to now and say, man, this guy is setting up an Armageddon-style scenario. Rather, it's foreign or domestic. There's so many things that are just balancing by a, by a thread. And the slightest, just the slightest wind can put that into complete and utter chaos. And as it pertains to Trump, he's doing everything in his power to, A, create a birther situation, which we discussed yesterday, is 100% the intent of Obama and his little minion crew. And if you notice, a lot of the liberals, when they've talked about the BuzzFeed CNN collusion, they always button it up with, well, you know, Trump and uh, the birtherism. So they even know it. I mean, we talked about this extensively yesterday. In Obama's mind, he feels he should have his face on Mount Rushmore. He feels his presidency was the greatest presidency since Abraham Lincoln enabled him to run for president. But there's that one blip, that one smudge, and that is the whole birther, Muslim, Muslim Brotherhood, Kenya, Manchurian candidate vibe. Because no matter what happens, there will always be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, however many million people that believe Obama is a Muslim, he's, you know, a Manchurian candidate, so forth and so on. And Obama's got an ego bigger than Trump. And that sticks in him. Because if it wasn't for that, In his mind, he would be down as the greatest. There's no way he's going to let Donald Trump assume office without something tarnishing him, just like Trump tarnished Obama. And so now, no matter how good Trump does, he could be the greatest president in the world. He could be the greatest president God's ever created. But there will always be millions and millions and millions of people that will say he won because of the Russians. 
He won because of James Comey. He's a secret Russian plant. He's the real Manchurian candidate. And that's payback. That's payback. Just like Jonathan Capar in the Washington Post wrote, Donald Trump has his own birther crisis. My mom, who's a hardcore liberal, said the same thing. She said, I don't believe what they did to Trump. That was horrible. And I'm not a big fan of his, but what they did was horrible. And I don't want to believe that Obama was part of that. Because I like Obama. But I have to say, he definitely, in my opinion, was behind it as a payback for birtherism. And so now, Obama and Trump are even. So, when I talk about making things difficult, so the Inspector General today, and this is what we'll close with, the Inspector General today, Justice Department, this Michael Horowitz, is now going to investigate uh, the FBI and James Comey and what went on with Hillary Clinton and the server and the leaked memos, or the, I should say leaked memos, the letter that was written in the press conference and that whole dust up. Because remember, Here's the narrative. And let me see if I can break this down for you quickly and cleanly. CNN, remember, once a coup will always be a coup. MSNBC and the rest of them, Vox, the narrative they're pushing is 100% based on polling. And don't forget, these polls were all wrong in the first place. But based on polling, if you look at the timeline at when the FBI put out various statements and you look at her numbers, they all went down based on uh, the Comey letters. And so by that, scientific conclusion Hillary Clinton would have won the presidency. So now that's the narrative that's being pushed. And it started tonight with CNN. I mean, it's been out there. Vox has been playing with it. But the creators of the coup, CNN, are now starting to really push it. So that's out there. And now Obama had Michael Horowitz announce that he's going to investigate the FBI and James Comey and make sure all of that was on the up and up. That James Comey didn't do that to influence the election. Now, 
you say, Rob, how does this equate? I mean, it's heavy stuff, but how does it equate uh, to making life uh, impossible for Trump or very difficult? And the whole birther stain and so forth and so on. Well, here it is. Michael Horowitz is a political appointee, which means when Trump becomes president, this guy is supposed to be fired. It's a political appointee. And there's nothing shady or, you know, tort in firing this person or, or this position. Nothing. Any other four-year or eight-year cycle, firing this person, nobody would bat an eye. But creating the narrative with CNN, Vox, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, NBC, Washington Post, New York Times, by creating this narrative, which is take a look at these polls, take a look, Comey, look at the letters, this goes down, this letter comes out, boom, bang, boom, should have been president. Add that with eight days to go. Michael Horowitz saying, oh, I'm going to do this investigation into making sure that what Comey did was on the up and up and that he didn't do it for political reasons. Knowing full well, and Obama knows full well, that it is common practice for this person, whoever has his job, to be fired when the new administration comes into power. So what do you have? Trump takes power. And if he does what he's supposed to do, every other new administration is done and fire Michael Horowitz. The narrative will be Trump did this because he knows that if he let the investigation go through, what would be uncovered would be Comey did this to help him win. And if it wasn't for James Comey, Hillary would have won because according scientific polling from Nate Silver and CNN ROC org, Hillary only lost points because of the Comey effect. So, what does Trump do? Another knife right in the ass from Obama to Trump. You got the Israeli-Palestinians something that was unprecedented, and I mean unprecedented in the timing. Less than a month before a new administration takes office. But that was done to leave Trump with a massive, massive headache 
in the first day of office. The Russian hacking to create a birther scenario as a little payback from Obama to Trump. And now the narrative of I dare you to fire this political appointment. I dare you. Because if you do, the narrative will be you did it to cover up the truth. And the truth would be without Comey, you would have lost. Remember, CNN started the coup 16 months ago. If you don't get rid of the people that started the coup, they're going to do it again. That is what they are doing. They started it this week, and they are going to keep doing it until they can get Trump removed from the White House. The only way the people, the coup, is if Republicans stop cooperating. And that means Paul Ryan and others don't do town halls. And people like Jim Acosta get ostracized back of the bus. You don't reward a coup, or I should say a coup attempt, with a chance for another coup. Watch all of that happen. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. You guys are the best. It's Rob Zakari. It's Rob Zakari Show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can listen to our broadcast on Spreaker. That's Spreaker.com. Punch in the Rob Zakari Show. You can listen to our broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. You just punch in the Rob Zakari Show. Dot com. You can listen to the broadcast on iHeartRadio. Just punch in dossier. <laughs> and you can listen to the show on iTunes. So we're all over the place. The only place we're not on is terrestrial radio. But hopefully someday that will change. We'll see you guys tomorrow. It's Rob Scary. It's Rob Scary Show. You guys are the best.